This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Our divisional recap podcast series continues tonight up. It is the AFC South. If you have missed the first three mini podcasts, I have recapped the NFC East in its entirety, the AFC East in its entirety, and the most recent episode looked at the NFC North. Tonight, it is the AFC South, team by team, sharing my favorite picks, value picks, questionable picks, questionable decisions, overview of the entire draft for each of these franchises, and then outlining who my favorite drafts were in the division, ranking them one through four. So let's jump right into it tonight and get right into it with the Houston Texans to kick it off at pick number two. In the first round, they took Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. They moved up to number three overall in the first round to then take Alabama edge Will Anderson. In the second round, 62nd pick overall, they took Penn State center Juice Shrugs. In the third round, pick 69 overall, they took Houston wide receiver Tank Dell. In the fourth round, they took TCU edge Dylan Horton at pick 109. In the fifth round, at pick 167, they took Alabama linebacker Henry Tototua. In the sixth round, at 201, they took Notre Dame center Jared Patterson. Also in the sixth round, they took Iowa State wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson. And in the final round, at pick 248, they took Pittsburgh safety Brandon Hill. My favorite picks of the draft for that were C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell. After all the noise that they weren't going to take C.J. Stroud, I think they made the pick they had to make. There's no guarantee that next year it'll be in position to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. They won't. There's, there's not a lock that they'll be in position to trade up and get one of those two guys. You couldn't waste another year there with Davis Mills and, and what they had there at quarterback. C.J. Stroud, in terms of ball placement and accuracy, the best quarterback in those two areas in this draft. He showed more in that final game against Georgia. And listen, some people might say you can't overrate that or overvalue that one game, but I think you could because I think it showed that there is a little bit more to his game than maybe we we believed at Ohio State. I think he showed in that game that if he needs to use his athleticism more, he can. If he does need the playoff structure, he can. If he needs to take off, he can. I think that all added on top of his arm talent, his velocity, his accuracy, his deep ball. All of that, I think, aided to him not just being looked at as a statue traditional pocket passing quarterback that could crumble behind a poor offensive line. Now he ends up in a situation where they have a pretty strong offensive line. And he's in a situation where I think he's going to be asked to run that Kyle Shanahan scheme. Obviously, D'Amico Ryan's coming from San Francisco, bringing people from San Francisco. I think he's set up there to be successful. I'm glad they pulled the trigger on it. And then Tank Dell, I don't care about the size. I don't care about the outlier. Nobody could cover him in college football. He get, he has inside-outside versatility, even at his size and frame. I think he's going to be too quick in and out of his breaks, his footwork in, in in terms of, I think he's going to translate to the next level. I, I'm betting on him being an outlier. I don't think this is too, too at well. He wasn't a refined player. He was just a small speedster. Tank Dell is a refined route runner with great separation quickness, great route runner. I like that pick. I think he's quickly going to be a guy that CJ Stroud targets 
early and often in his NFL career. Uh, the value pick where they got Tank Dell, I also consider it a value pick because I, I thought he was going to go off the board somewhere in round two. He falls to the early portion of round three. But, I mean, in terms of their best value pick, it has to be Henry Tototoa, the linebacker out of Alabama. He was on that border round three, round four. If he went late round three, nobody would have been surprised. He ends up falling to pick 167 overall in the fifth round. I think he's got starting linebacker traits. He's not going to be this great athlete, but I think his instincts, his recognition, I, I really like him. I think he can become a starting linebacker in the next level. I wasn't a huge Xavier Hutchinson fan, but I do think where they got him late sixth round, he does offer some value there. I'm not betting on him being, making the roster and being an impactful player, but I know there were some people that did like his game. So I do think it was a good value pick. If he would have went off the board late round four, or early round five, I don't think I would have been surprised. But I'm not surprised he fell at a six. I think guys like him who have separation concerns, who have athletic limitations, I think they fall in the drafts. People are not looking for that. They're looking for guys who can separate and can get open. And that's not really Xavier Hutchinson's game. He's a win at the catch point type of guy. He's a pretty good route runner, but I think people have concerns that he's going to be able to get away from good athletic defenders at the next level and that's why he fell i think brandon hill in the seventh round was a good pick uh in terms of their questionable things i think do i do think juice juice scruggs at pick 62 overall was a, a little early but if you were following the right people and this is where i think sometimes people just aren't reading the tea leaves well and that's what we really try to do here at saturday sunday it's why our draft projections notebook has been so successful at projecting what is going to happen on draft weekend if you were reading the tea leaves and you were looking at the right people, you knew that Drew Scruggs was a lock for the top 100 before the NFL draft kicked off. He was in Bob McGinn's rank, uh, center rankings as one of the top interior offensive linemen in the draft class. He was in Bob McGinn's top 100. Lance Erline was predicting him to be a day two pick. If you if you looked at the for the right people, you saw that Drew Scruggs was moving up boards heading into the draft weekend and then it was not surprising to see him go on night two i do think 62 overall was a tad early uh you know that was only a couple that was only five picks after john michael schmitz so i i think there is a pretty big gap and disparity between john michael schmitz and drew scruggs so i do think it was a little early for him but i think the one thing that you could legitimately question is they paid a quarterback bounty price to come up from 12 to then take will anderson after they took cj stroud that future first-round pick, I would have been very leery about giving that up. Now, they might look at it as, listen, we just got our quarterback, so we're not going to be in the quarterback market next year. So we're going to go up and get the elite edge rusher, arguably the second most important position in all of football. So, But I do think that pick could have a lot of, of value that if it, for some reason, did fall near the top of the draft, even if they believed in Stroud, they could have traded it for a bounty of picks next year. They chose to get what they consider hopefully staples on the offense and defensive side, leaders on both sides of the ball in Stroud and Will Anderson. So they were very aggressive. They paid a quarterback price to come up for 12. They gave up their early second round pick. They gave up a one and a three next year. It was a big, big price. But I think there might have been some not synced up chemistry between ownership, GM, head coach. And this was kind of the way they kind of satisfied all parties, get the quarterback, get the edge rusher, appease all the parties involved there. And I think that's kind of what played itself out there on the first night of the NFL draft. If we keep this going uh, and take this to the Indianapolis Colts, 
At pick four overall in the first round, they took Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. In the second round, at pick 44 overall, they took Kansas State quarterback Julius Brents. In the third round, at pick 79, they took North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs. In the fourth round, they took BYU offensive tackle Brake Freeland. In the fourth round, they took Northwestern defensive tackle uh, Tommy Adabare. In the fifth round, at pick 138, they took South Carolina quarterback Darius Rush. In the fifth round, they also took California safety Daniel Scott. In the fifth round, they also took Miami tight end Will Mallory. Another fifth-round pick, they took Northwestern running back Evan Hull. In the sixth round, they took Wagner Edge Titus Leo. In the seventh round, they took Texas A&M quarterback Jalen Jones. And then also in the seventh round, they took Northern Michigan offensive tackle Jake Witt. My favorite picks, hands down, two of my guys. Anthony Richardson. If, if if someone said they wanted to take him first overall in this draft, I would have been behind it. I would have supported it. I think he has the highest ceiling of any quarterback. He's part Cam Newton. He's part Lamar Jackson. I think he lands in the perfect spot with Shane Steichen, who just created an offense for Jalen Hurts to be successful, slowly bringing him along, maximizing his athleticism and his ability to make things happen with his legs and throwing on the run, taking advantage of, of his strengths and maximizing them early on as he continues to, to refine and develop so I love the landing spot for Richardson Josh Downs was my number three wide receiver in this draft class I don't think there is much of a gap between Jordan Addison Zay Flowers and Josh Downs Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers when I picked 22 and 23 in the first round of the NFL draft Josh Downs falls to 79 there is not a gap of that many spots we're talking almost 50 something spots 57 58 spots between where Downs went and then where Addison and Zay Flowers went. So to me, he fits that team perfectly. They have Michael Pittman. They have uh, uh, Michael Pittman. And then last year, they they invested in a wide receiver early. So now they have these two guys, two guys on the outside. Uh, sorry, Alec Pierce. I was, I was drawing a blank there. So they have Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman on the outside. Two bigger guys. Now they have the perfect complement, Josh Downs, in the slot. This is a guy who I think in time could be a 90 to 100 catch guy in the slot. We'll see how quickly he gets the opportunity, but I think he's going to be a favorite of Anthony Richardson sooner rather than later. His separation ability, his movement skills, love Josh Downs to pick. You know, I could have listed so many more picks here as my favorite picks. Uh, Julius Brents, I, I love the player. Besides his straight line speed, he's an athletic freak, long, great athleticism, great explosiveness. I love the Julius Brents pick. He could have been in there in my favorite pick. Uh, we could have talked about, you know, Tommy Adebare and Darius Rush. I put them as my two value picks because if Darius Rush would have went late second, early third round, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. That's where he was projected to go. If Adebare went late round one or early round two, I think people would have understood that. So the fact that they got Rush and Adebare in the fourth, sorry, in the fourth and fifth round, on top of Anthony Richardson and Josh Downs in the first and the third round, and Julius Brents, five of their first six picks I absolutely loved. And a bunch of them, Downs was tremendous value, I think. Rush, tremendous value. Adabare, tremendous value. I think Brents went off the board where he should have. I think Anthony Richardson went off the board where he should have. You could also put, they got good value on Daniel Scott. They got good value on Evan Hull. So many good picks. Jalen Jones in the seventh round, great value. And then Northern Michigan offensive tackle, Jake Witt. If you were following Dane Brugler, and if you're not, you're doing it wrong for the draft. He had a whole story on Jake Witt. Said he was going to be a draftable guy. A guy who's got great athleticism, who recently converted to the offensive tackle position. Very raw and inexperienced, but a great project developmental offensive tackle. I love everything the Colts did. If I was going to question one pick, and I feel like it's nitpicking, BYU offensive tackle, Break Freeland. 
early round four. I get the pick, but some people had him a little further down. Some people have question marks about whether the play strength. We know he's got the athleticism, but whether the play strength and the technique is there for him to succeed. Uh, but I love the Colts draft. Far and away, one of the best drafts in the entire NFL draft last year. I mean, this past year. If we keep this moving, next up is the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the first round, they make two small trade backs. They end up at pick 27. They take Oklahoma offensive tackle Anton Harrison, uh, a need pick, uh, you know, once they knew they were going to lose Cam Robinson to a suspension for part of the year. At pick 61 in the second round over, pick 61 overall in the second round, they take Penn State tight end Brenton Strange. In the third round, at pick 88, they took Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. In the fourth round, at 121, they took Florida linebacker Ventrell Miller. Also in the fourth round, they took Oklahoma State edge Tyler Lacey. In the fifth round, they took Louisville linebacker slash edge Yasir Abdullah. Also in the fifth round, they took Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson. In the sixth round, they took Penn State wide receiver Parker Washington. In the sixth round, they also took Rutgers cornerback Christian Braswell. In the sixth round, they took Pittsburgh defensive back Eric Callett. In the seventh round, they had a trio of picks, Appalachian State offensive tackle Cooper Hodges, North Carolina defensive tackle Raymond Vahasek, and Houston edge Derek Parrish, who might also play some fullback, uh, undecided exactly what position he's going to play at the next level. My favorite pick was Tank Bigsby. He was one of my top five running backs in this draft class. I think he's a great complement uh, to Travis Etienne. I think they're going to form a 1A, 1B, a 1B type scenario. I think Bigsby's a guy who would be a little bit better between the tackles, short yardage, goal line, but has three down capabilities as well. It also allows Ethan to be a guy that maybe they can limit to 14 to 16 touches a week and get that big play explosiveness out of Travis Ethan. I think they're a great ideal one-two duo, but they both have the versatility to handle a bigger workload, uh, to do different things. I don't think they're pigeonholed that he could only do this and he could only do that. I think they got, both have the versatility to do everything. I just think there's some areas that that, that favor Ethan and there's some areas that favor Bigsby, so they think they complement each other very well. Uh, I get the Anton Harrison pick. We had the four. We had the offensive lineman go before it. He went off the board where I thought he should have uh, as a guy who I think could step in and start. Really good athleticism. A guy who could even develop. If in few years Anton Harrison is the best tackle in this class, I won't be that surprised. I think it, I don't think there was a gap between where the other four went off the board and Harrison. I think he's pretty much his ceiling is very similar to those other guys. So I think it was a good value pick. And they traded back twice. They picked up a fourth round pick that they that they turned into, you know, a, a, a guy that they hope can make an impact. And then the trade with the Giants, just to go back one spot, they got Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson, who was probably arguably one of the better value picks in the entire draft. This was a guy who most people thought was safety one or safety two. Most people, even though he was more of an in-the-box type guy, thought he was a guy who was going to go off the board somewhere on day two, probably in round three. He falls all the way to round five. So that's a tremendous value pick. I also think Louisville linebacker Yusir Abdullah, who can play some edge, play some linebacker, really highly athletic. Coming out of the combine, some people thought this guy could go round three, late round three, early round four. He falls to round five. So I like the Antonio Johnson and the Yusir Abdullah picks. I think they're really good value. I like the Bigsby pick. I like the Harrison pick. In terms of questionable picks, I did think a little bit early for Brenton Strange. I knew he was going to be a day two guy, but I thought he was going to be more of a late round three guy. They took him at the end of round two. They took him ahead of Tucker Craft, ahead of Darnell Washington. And I know there's some issues maybe medically with Darnell Washington, but I would have gambled on Darnell Washington or I would have definitely taken Tucker Craft if you wanted that tight end. I like Strange the player. I just thought it was a little early for him in the second round there. Also, Ventral Miller, I think I would have went a different direction at linebacker in the fourth round. Uh, you know, 
Parker Washington in the sixth round. I also thought was a, was a strong pick. So I like some of the things they did towards the back end. I think they were looking some guys maybe just to stash in their practice squad. I don't really think Hallett, Hodges, Vohesic, or Parrish or Braswell. Those guys are maybe Braswell, but the other four guys, I think they're probably destined for the practice squad. They had a pretty uh, extensive, you know, date three, you know, picks here. So I think some of those guys will for sure will be headed to the practice squad. And let's round it out with the final team in the AFC South, and that is the Tennessee Titans. In the first round, I pick 11. They took Northwestern uh, offensive lineman Peter Skaronsky. In the second round, they traded up to pick 33 overall to take Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. In the third round, I pick 81 overall. They took Tulane running back Ty J. Spears. In the fifth round, I pick 147 overall. They took Cincinnati tight end Josh Wiley. In the sixth round, they took Maryland offensive tackle Jalen Duncan. And in the seventh round, they took Tennessee Martin wide receiver Colton Dowell. They didn't have a lot of picks there. My favorite pick by far was Peter Skaronsky. I think people over overlooking just how talented of a player he is. If he stays at tackle, I think he'd be a good starting NFL tackle. If he plays guard, I think we're talking like a Brandon Sheriff, Zach Martin. I think he could be an all-pro type guard. So I think a pick 11 for them to get a guy with that versatility who could be a good starting offensive tackle or potentially an all-pro guard, I think was a really uh, a really good pick. It was my favorite pick that they made in the draft. Uh, value picks. I really like the, the their, couple of their day three picks. I thought Josh Wiley in round five, he was getting some buzz that he could go off the board the end of round three. You know, so where he goes in, in round five at 147 overall, I think uh, was a good value there. He goes there, you know, with Chigokonkwo. So now they have the athleticism of Okonkwo. He could do a lot of different things with. And then Josh Wiley, a very athletic, but bigger, you know, pass catching tight end weapon. Uh, so I like that pick. And then Jalen Duncan, you know, he's got a lot of development and refinement to do. But if he would have went off the board late round three, early round four, I don't think anybody would have been that surprised due to the traits that he possesses, the athleticism he possesses, and the development and upside that is there. So for them to get him at 186 overall, I, I really like that as well. Obviously, we got to talk about Will Levis. I thought he was a day two talent. He ends up going off the board on day two. I think it's a worthwhile investment for them. It also doesn't preclude them that if they have a really bad year to go back in the quarterback market, if it's Caleb Williams, you know, or Drake May, if they re- things really fall off. But Tennessee tends to to win more games than you expect them to. So I think they saw an opportunity that some people looked at Will Levis and thought he had a first round grade. Uh they're hoping that they get the guy from two years ago who was a little bit more consistent than this past year. I've said it with Will Levis. I think there's a lot of Carson Wentz and Jay Cutler with him. At times, he looks spectacular. At other times, he looks like a guy who shouldn't be anywhere near starting you know, quarterback in terms of an NFL roster. So they're hoping, I think, they can get some consistency out of him and, 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 and develop him and to get more of the highs than the lows. And I think in where they're picking... I think they're in a tough spot because they gambled on Malik Willis last year. They seem to have soured really quickly without even giving him a real shot, even though we knew he was a developmental guy. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill probably is in his last year there in Tennessee. So they're looking at a guy like Levis, who I think they are hoping that can come in and start. And if they, you know, if they could ask him to not be thrown into the mix and if Derrick Henry's still there or they still have a strong run game, you know, maybe they don't ask him to do too much. In terms of questionable pick, it's got to be Ty J. Spears in the third round. And it has nothing to do with Ty J. Spears' talent level because I love the player. I, I, I really do. Uh, but all the medical news that was out there was that this guy has no cartilage in one of his knees. He has no ACL in one of his knees. There's questions about whether or not he'll make it for his first contract. That's only a four-year deal. If Derrick Henry's going to be there for another two years, let's say, maybe they move on during this year. But if they don't and he's there this year and next year, you're talking about Ty J. Spears 
There's a lot of uncertainty with that. I think there was other good players available there. Tank Bigsby was available. Uh, you know, Eric Gray, who didn't go to the fifth round, and, and Chase Brown. And, like, there was other guys available there. There was other guys in the fourth round who came off the board. There were a lot of running back picks. I just think they didn't have the luxury. There's more holes on this team. They could have used a wide receiver desperately in the third round. And I think then they could have taken a running back in round five where they took Josh Wiley. I like Josh Wiley, but they could they could have taken a running back at pick 147 overall. And in the third round, they could have taken a really, you know, potential impact wide receiver who could have been a guy who started for them. They really don't have anything else except Traylon Burks. So I really question that pick from... Could it have been used better in terms of like a wide receiver playmaker? And then could it have been used or could it have been used on a different running back that maybe doesn't have such lingering uh, concerns, medically speaking? I know these teams are looking at running backs as one as one contract players. So maybe they're saying, listen, we can get four years out of this kid. He's an explosive player. He adds an element to the pass catching game out of the backfield. Uh, we'll take it. But, but can he get those four years? Can he get through his first contract? If they do move on from Derrick Henry, are they going to be able to feed Ty J. Spears 16, 18 touches a game? Or is that going to potentially lead to this injury flaring up and him you know, not even being able to make it through with that type of impact? If he's a guy who they only think can handle 10 to 12 touches a game and they got the because of the injury concerns during his first contract, I'm just not sure that's worth an investment in the third round for a team that's kind of on the rebuilding side of things, not the finishing touch and another explosive weapon could kind of get over the hump then I could have understand it a little bit more uh but here I, I do question it a little bit uh if we're talking about favorite drafts from this class uh from this division clearly the Colts I talked about them at length they were clearly my number one ranking for the AFC South in my favorite draft classes uh after that I would go with the Houston Texans I don't love the move up but I get it. They wanted their they wanted their guy on both the offensive and defensive side of the balls. So uh, Houston would be number two if I'm ranking this con- uh, this division. Number three would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then number four, rounding it out, would be the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so that would be my ranking for the AFC South in terms of my favorite draft classes. If you're enjoying this coverage, please get over to the website. SS Football is the fastest and easiest way to get there. Check out our premium notebooks. It is still not too late to purchase those notebooks for $9.99. You get our rankings notebook, which will have all our Dynasty rookie rankings constantly updated. I'm hoping within the next week or two to have the, our positional Dynasty rankings fully updated, taking into account all the free agency and the draft. Our Devi rankings uh, are in there as well. You get the scouting notebook, which has almost 100 detailed player profiles on the offensive skill players that were just drafted. And then you also get the draft projections notebook. And while the draft is coming gone, it's still got notes on over 400 players in there, how they win, their their combine measurements, and then also some developmental areas or concerns. It really helps you learn about these guys who were just drafted. It's helpful for IDP leagues because it does have a snapshot on these guys, what they do best uh, to help you in terms of these IDP rookies as well. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.